Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And once again, you are eternally connected. Thank you so much for joining us. Pastor Eric J. here from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, who sponsors this program. And Jason, Chip, we are already at the halfway point of September. Holy cow. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if this is how time works, but I think it's definitely getting faster. It's unreal. <laughs> it's unreal. It may just because uh, there's just so much going on with our new school and everything else but it's just you, you blink and the week's over mm-hmm. and uh, then here we are again but it's good to be with you again um, as as quickly as it has come as we continue our series uh, that we're doing right now on the eternal connection called people of the book uh, we are looking at prominent people in uh, the scriptures we started with God himself the first person God in three persons Father Son and Holy Spirit uh, talked about Adam and Eve uh, we talked about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, the father of faith, the father of righteousness uh, that comes through faith. And then we spent uh, a couple episodes on Moses, yep. uh, just so much to get to and so much we didn't get to. So I would encourage you to um, read more about Moses and the, go- uh, the gospel of Exodus. Well, it is a gospel. It, it it's, it's all, it's all good, good news. news. Uh-huh. It sure is. <laughs> the book of Exodus, uh, because we're going to be making a big jump here today. Uh, as far as number of pages in your Bible, we're going from uh, Exodus 20, where we left off last time, to First Samuel chapter 8. There's a leap for you. That's uh, quite a Mainly quite because a we've, we've kind of looked at the calling of Abraham, the calling of, of, of the faithful, the first covenant, then getting into um, Moses as the first prophet, you could say, functioning as a prophet, um, spokesman for God. Um, well, you know, and we covered the the delivery of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Moses was the the messenger, if you will. Um, one thing that might be interesting that I I'm sorry I'm throwing this at you with without any uh, preparation. Oh, you're ruining my my <laughs> my detailed plan for this show, right? <laughs> well, it just occurred to me that you know the the folks listening, uh, if you didn't grow up or are not part of the Lutheran uh, confession uh-huh. uh, in Christianity, uh, we have sort of a particular way of looking at the whole purpose of the law uh-huh. uh, as we uh, covered the, the ten words, uh-huh. uh, and I thought maybe we could, just for their benefit, maybe cover that, uh, and the reason that we place such a emphasis on law and gospel. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, in theology, just like every field, you have different lenses through which you view the information, right? Um, standards or 
things you know for certain that you use to interpret maybe the stuff that isn't so clear. Mm-hmm. Um, in Lutheran theology, uh, when we look at the law, and we define that in confirmation class by saying the law has to do with you, meaning something God expects from you um, or something you have done wrong, the shalls and the shall nots. The gospel has to do with what God does, what he does through his mercy and grace. And that's a distinction throughout Scripture that always has to be made, and it's a tough one to make, meaning is this passage mainly dealing with law, meaning revealing to me my sin, revealing to me what I have done and what I need to do different, or is this passage mainly dealing with what God is doing? Um, and that and Luther would say, if you can make that distinction all the time, I'll give you a doctorate right now. You don't need to go to school. Uh, it's a very difficult one. And we covered that last time, how most people look at the Ten Commandments and think that they were given as uh, a standard. Mm-hmm. Like this, you have to do this in order to be saved. Well, the first commandment blows that out of the water, right? No, this is God who already saved you telling you this is how you should live because I've saved you. And that's a totally different way of going about it, right? I, I break it down this way for, for folks a lot of the time. If, if you're at a job and you have a boss that tries to get you to do what he wants by berating you or writing you up for the smallest of things or keeping a, a tally on the board and keeping it ever in front of your face what a failure you are, are you going to be motivated to do your best for that boss? Oh, yeah, we love that. <laughs> well, that's how things run at Chip's Design Studio. So <laughs> sorry for Chip's employees. Right. Um, no, I think you're going to want to work for the boss who clearly has standards. Right. right. He drives for excellence, and that's what God's law communicates is this is the expectation. But these rules are here to show you that you can't so that you're driven to repentance and so that I can give you the forgiveness that, that is yours. I've already, I've already delivered you from Egypt, right? But you're living as if I haven't. And, and a matter of fact, the people constantly said, can we just go back there? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Um, so that's the distinction we talk about um, that's important in Scripture is, is, is this passage dealing with revealing sin and failure or is it dealing with what God has done to forgive that? And even within the law, there's three distinctions as far as use of the law. Um, we say that the first use of the law, the first use of the Ten Commandments is to curb evil, that God gives laws because, as Paul would later say, I wouldn't know what it means to steal unless God told me what it means to covet. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, as a sinner, well, I want that. Well, it's not mine. So what? Who says that's wrong? And there are people today that live that way, right? Survival of the fittest. Right. That's, that's the whole basis for evolution. Okay, if, if I get to determine what right and wrong is, then there's nothing wrong. And you have no right to, to be upset if I punch you in the face because I don't like you or if I steal everything from you because I want it. That's not wrong. No, there has to be an objective truth, and that's what God's law does. It comes here to curb evil, to define right and wrong. The second thing it does is it's a mirror, and, and it reveals to us how we've done wrong because it puts the standard in place, right? It says this is right, this is wrong, and God doesn't do that in order to try and demand that we're good enough. No, we're blind to sin. We find it really easy to self-justify. We sure do. And so God's law has to come and say, no, this is right, this is wrong because I say so. 
And so it's a mirror. The law functions as a mirror to reveal to us the truth about ourselves because we would never admit it on our own. So God gives it to us so that we're forced to deal with it. And again, why does he do that? Not to make us feel bad or shame us, but to drive us to cry out to him and say, Lord, I can't. And then he can say, as he did in the first commandment, I've saved you. That's the first thing I want you to focus on. I've delivered you. And then the third use is now that you are delivered, now that you do know the salvation of God, now I can be motivated. I have a good boss. <laughs> He's delivered me. He's already given me infinite raises, infinite promotions. And so now I want to serve him, mm-hmm. right? And I, not because I have to, but because now I can. I'm forgiven. He's not treating me with a tit-for-tat standard. Now I can live boldly in grace and, and do my best, even though I know it's never going to be good enough for God, but it doesn't have to be. Jesus has been good enough. He's earned it for me. I can serve God. God can look at even my, my best worst, worst efforts and say, well done, good and faithful servant, not because of me, but because of his son in whom I put my trust. And you don't get that joy without first the law. And, and that's where a lot of preaching breaks down. It either is all law, you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to, or I think what's increasingly common today is gospel without law. Oh, it's okay, God forgives you. God's love, so uh, it's okay for you to do this sin or live this way because God's love. Yep, you can do whatever you want. Free ticket. If you don't have law and gospel in that order, then you don't have biblical truth. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, and we can use that as a segue because the much in the way that the law is used as a mirror to, to point out our sins— God used in, particularly in the Old Testament, his prophets, yep. m- men that would uh, inevitably uh, point the children of Israel or the kings or whatever, as mm-hmm. we'll read, uh, that, hey, you need to turn from what you're doing because it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. And Moses was the first prophet, and uh, God's intention was to be Israel's king himself, um, that, that he, he wanted to be the king. Um, unfortunately, uh, Israel rejected him and, uh, wanted a earthly King. And that's what we're going to get into with, uh, uh, with Samuel and then Saul and David. Okay. Why don't you pray for us? Okay. Lord, we give you thanks and praise this morning for your amazing word. The word that you use to speak life, faith, and eternal life into us through your son, Jesus, who is the word made flesh. Amen. 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 So, like I said, after delivering the Israelites from Egypt, um, uh, Moses led them through the wilderness, chasing their own tail, uh, because that was a disciplinary measure by God. There was a generation that uh, rejected him. God needed to work that out of them and prepare a faithful generation to go into the promised land. They went into the promised land. Joshua led them there. That's the book of Joshua. You can read that. Uh, and when they were there, God was, you know, they had the, the tabernacle set up and all of that and doing their worship and all the festivals that God put in place. And they were supposed to exist in this, uh, this life with God through a life of temple worship, tabernacle worship at that point. Uh, and God was still present and, and wanted to be their, their God, their king on earth and, and lead them. He continued to do that through judges. 
since Moses had died, there wasn't a central leadership that had been put back in place. Um, God wanted to be it, but they would constantly turn their backs on God. And if you read the book of Judges, that's what you get. Uh, the, the people fell into idolatry. They chased after other gods. And so God would raise up what we called judges or think of them as little saviors, right? Uh, sinful, broken men. I mean, just read the judges, Samson, Gideon, they're all, they're all sinners. But he would use them to, to chastise Israel, to discipline Israel, and to once again save them from the hands of quite oftentimes the Philistines and their enemies, that God would let conquer Israel for the sake of discipline and bringing them to repentance. Um, and that happened over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and throughout this whole time, uh, there were priests that were managing the temple and and just as God put in place, but there really wasn't yet this central figure that that was there uh, until we get to Samuel. Uh, Samuel, we really could say outside of Moses, was the first prophet as we traditionally understand because it's the book of the prophets, right? First Samuel. Um God raised Samuel up from a young boy. You can read the beginning of 1 Samuel for that story. He clearly called Samuel into this service, which is a distinction from the judges and everything else. This was a call to be uh, sanctified to the Lord as his spokesperson. And that's what Samuel did very faithfully for his life. He, he was God's mouthpiece to Israel. The central part, the central figure. We're still in the Old Testament, um, you know, with Moses and now Samuel, as you mentioned, is, and that's Jesus. Sorry, God's way of coming through a human, as we talked about. Yeah, is Jesus kind of the later, ultimate central figure? Yeah, in fact, Moses would would give a a, a prophetic statement um, in the book of Deuteronomy where he says, um, God is going to raise up a prophet uh, among you, meaning the prophet. Um, and, and when that prophet comes, he's going to bring the kingdom of God. And so it was a very specific prophecy in Deuteronomy 18 that spoke about that how Moses himself, Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all the prophets that we read about, they are pointers, they are foreshadows to the they are spokesmen for God with human mouths pointing to when God himself would come and speak to you through a human mouth, the prophet, the son of God in the flesh. So yes, the office of prophet and the office of king, as we'll talk about, uh, are all foreshadows of the Messiah. So that brings us to um, Samuel becoming old and the elders rejected his sons because they they knew that they were corrupt, and they instead uh, wanted a king. And if you look at verse 4 of 1 Samuel 8, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. And that's where problems always begin, right? Grass is always greener. Yeah. <laughs> 
They looked around and said, oh, we want to be like them. Yeah, the, the Philistines, the, the Canaanite tribes, they all had these massive armies. They had kings that were in their flashy robes. And Israel really were just kind of ragamuffins, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Lord fought for them. They were not a well-trained army. They, they, they didn't have these metropolises. They, they existed kind of really in a rural sense. They were a nomadic people. And they just wanted to kind of settle down. Uh, build an empire, look impressive, uh, have a king that ruled over them and and have national pride and all of this stuff that they saw in their enemies who they constantly were fighting with. Uh, but they wanted the appearance of power, which they did not have in comparison to other nations. And so instead of asking the Lord, uh, asking Samuel to say, what, what will you have us do? Because we, we don't want a king except God. No, instead, they, they reveal what they want, which is they want to keep up with the Joneses. And I think this is a pretty appropriate message, given what season we're getting into already. All the ads that I hear already starting. All the politicians, all the presidential campaigns, with the, all the promise that this candidate or that candidate's going to solve all the world's problems if you just vote for a fill-in-blank. And how many times do people, how much problems are created because we, we look to politicians, we look to kings as somehow being our savior rather than the king of all kings, the God who has come to us and identifying ourselves with him rather than with the party. So that's what they want, a king to judge us like other nations. But in verse 6, this displeased Samuel. So he comes to the Lord, and he says, Lord, these people are crazy. Well, I'm kind of paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> You're their king. I'm just your mouthpiece. Uh, they're, they're reject, they, they want a king. And the Lord responded to Samuel and said, Obey the voice of the people in what they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. It's natural to... Reject anybody telling you what to do, boss or king or anything. Yeah, but I think the problem here is it's not that they don't want someone to tell them what to do. They just don't want it to be God. Well, they can't see him like they can see this army over here. They can't. Their their God is not walking around with a crown and a robe and all the all the regalia. They they again they want the the appearance that satisfaction of the flesh. Yeah. Yeah, in this case, they want somebody to tell them what to do, but yeah. they want a king. They don't want God. Yeah, and that's what God said. They've rejected me from being king over them, and they've rejected me by rejecting you, Samuel, right? Because you're my you're my spokesperson, and uh, I, you know, the Bible is timeless. Anytime we put our hope and faith in any amount into anyone other than God, and and the the people He's put in place to proclaim His word. We reject him. And it's so easy, as Jason, you said earlier, to do that because we can't see like we think we want to. And yet you have to remember, because this is what God's going to remind them through Samuel, these, these people are well aware of the miraculous hand of God. They've seen things that you and I, would, our jaws would hit the floor, and yet they're still at this point. God says in verse 8, according to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and other gods, so they're now doing to you. 
So God's saying, look, this is, this is old hat for me, Samuel. They've been rejecting me since moments after I delivered them through the Red Sea. And again, this theme that continues through our, our sinful condition, we, there's no way we can save ourselves. So God says, give them a king only, in verse 9, you shall warn them and show them the ways of a king who will rule over them. Which <laughs> Samuel does, I'll paraphrase it, but he essentially says, you guys are asking for a sinner to be your king. That's not going to end well. Your plows are going to be turned into swords and shields. You're going to get taxed. Why are you asking for this? Here you have the Lord. He's been providing for you. you, you you've won every battle when you have followed him and been faithful to him. And you're going to exchange all of that for the appearance of power rather than the real power? And they say, yep, that's what we want. <laughs> exactly, Do that. Yes, that's exactly what they want. And again, these narratives are meant to make us look at ourselves, that function of the law, right? I mean, how do we do that all the time? God warns us, and we say, yeah, I'll take my chances. Yep, I got this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and because we don't like what we're hearing. We do the same thing today when we take the Word of God and we twist it, and we make it want say what we want it to say rather than the Lord having the last and final word. So that rejection comes just as easily to us as it does to the Israelites. And stories like this should should cause us and bring us to repentance, right? And make us really evaluate, am I taking the Lord at his word? Because that's clearly what he expects. Well, and I think it's important to point out taking the Lord at his whole word, the whole word that he's oh, revealed. Oh, yeah, not just the parts you like. Right, because there's <laughs> there's so many folks that— I'm, I'm reading a book right now that talks about the the veracity, the truth of the Scriptures, and, and you know, there's so many folks that because they, because they want to know how this happened or the details that the Bible chooses not to reveal to us because it's not important for our salvation, they'll, they'll decide, oh, I, you know what, I'll, I'll agree with this part, but this part, I'm, I'm just going to ignore, or I'm just going to say that's not, that's not part of the revealed word. Right. And that, that's such a, they're doing themselves such a disservice. Yeah. I mean, God revealed his word, and I think you pointed out on last, the last episode, when God says something, it happens. Yeah. Regardless of who or what you think you might be, God's word is what... what and in his time, too. Yeah, and that's where right. people struggle today, too, is they think they're getting away with it uh, because God hasn't rained down fire from the sky. Right. Well, the, God, that's because of his long-suffering and patience for those who will believe, but the time is coming. There will be judgment, and that's really what God is warning his people of. If you reject me, if I give you what you want, it ain't ending well. Right. And yet they still say, yeah. So as you go to chapter 9, that's what they get. Um, Saul, Israel's first king, uh, is chosen to be a king. Uh, and in verse 2 of chapter 9 of 1 Samuel, it says, There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. There's really no other reason why Samuel would give us that information other than to emphasize, you want to look powerful? You want to have the appearance? Here you go. Pick Fabio over here. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, and uh, and from the get go, you, we're going to have to skip over a lot in 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 summary. But from the get go, uh, there were indications that Saul wasn't going to be everything they asked for. I mean, he was hiding. He was he was trying to get out of it, right? But. But the Lord chose him. This is what they asked for. And so he was going to be king. And so Samuel anoints him as king, the first king of Israel. And things start off pretty well uh, with Samuel or with uh, Saul. Um, he defeats some of the Amalekites and, and drives them back. And um, the people have this moment, kind of the honeymoon period, where Saul is being faithful to the Lord. Um, but as all kings that are men will do, Saul eventually breaks down in his sinfulness. Uh, he flounders. Saul is uh, fighting against the, the Ammonites and the Philistines as he's supposed to, as the Lord has enabled him to do as a king. And beside him the whole time is Samuel. Samuel hasn't stopped being a prophet. Uh, God hasn't stopped using Samuel. Think of Samuel as... Uh, the advisor to the king, and he's been giving instructions from the Lord to the king. That's one of the things that uh, was said to Saul when he was anointed king was, as long as you obey the voice of the Lord your God, things will go well. That voice was still going to come through Samuel, <laughs> right? even though God permitted them to have a king. And through the course of a number of a series of events after uh, a defeat of the Philistines, Saul was instructed by Samuel to wait a specific period of time before a sacrifice was given to celebrate this victory. And Saul gets impatient. And on the seventh day of the seven days that Samuel said to wait, uh, before that seventh day was all the way over, uh, Saul went forward with an offering, a burnt offering that was commanded by the Lord that only the priests, the prophets should do. So, Samuel shows up at the very last minute, which is always how it seems God shows up, right? Whether it's the <laughs> crossing of the Red Sea or whatnot. Um, but still within the seven days promised. And Samuel shows up and says, what are you doing? Why are you performing a sacrifice that was not given to you to do? And Saul answered and said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and the Philistines had mustered a Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come against me, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord, which he was supposed to seek the favor of the Lord through Samuel. But because things weren't appearing to go the way that he wanted them to, Saul assumed to play God. I love how it, how it uh, writes it. So I forced myself. <laughs> yeah, that's what he says. <laughs> I, I really, I had to, I just, I was trying to hold my own yep. hand back. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> uh, but Samuel clearly, uh, clearly isn't buying it. And he says to him in verse 13, you've done foolishly. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, just like you promised. But now your kingdom shall not continue. Saul's error was assuming the role of God because God wasn't working according to his time. And boy, the, the applications we could make to our own life uh, when, when we presume to move forward 
because we think it's the right time uh, rather than waiting on the Lord, waiting in his word and trusting that somehow, some way, he will make it known to us. No one would have expected the timing of God or the way of God to bring salvation the way that he did through a Roman cross. And yet that's how it came. That was the big struggle of his disciples. Um, that's why they failed and stumbled along the way. And that's still true for us too. Uh, we wait on the Lord according to his word. We pray our time together in God's word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com to find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.